uh, Eliezer of Damascus. But as Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, a member of my household to be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and the number of the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, So shall your offsprings be. Now listen to verse 6. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Lord, I pray as we open up your word, that you'll open up our hearts and our minds and that you would, Lord, teach us uh, how to be people of greater and stronger faith, to ever be growing in faith. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. If Abraham were to give his testimony tonight and, and talk to us about faith, there are three that, truths that he would tell us that come out of his story that begins in Genesis 12 and goes all the way through Genesis 22. And the first thing that he would tell us is that faith always begins with the word of God. That's seen in Abraham's life over and over. In fact, Genesis 12 marks the, a new beginning. In Genesis 1 and 2, you have the creation. God made everything that there is and said that it is good. And on the sixth day, he made man in his image, and God walked with God, uh, walked with man in the fellowship of the garden. But Genesis 3 happens, and there is the fall. Man disobeys God. He rebels against God and wants to become his own God and is cast out of the garden. And you have the devolution from, from Genesis 3 to Genesis 11 of man's progress deeper and deeper down into sin. And then you come to Genesis 12 and the whole flow of the Bible starts. For Genesis 12 begins the promise of God providing redemption. And it begins with the call of Abraham. And it's by faith that Abraham heard the word of the Lord. Listen to verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from the country of your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And it's by faith, based upon what God says to him through his word, that Abraham will leave his home in Ur of Chaldee and will well, move or, or travel toward the promised land. Now, when God calls Abram to leave Ur of Chaldee and to move toward Cana, he didn't tell him where he was going. He didn't give him a map. He didn't say, listen, here's where you'll be next year. Abraham, as he stepped out, had to step out day by day by faith, just going in the direction that God would give him, and it all comes from the fact that God speaks to him. 
It is by faith in the word of the Lord that Abraham believes the covenant that God makes with him. That's in, in Genesis 12 too. For the Lord says to Abraham, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And so God makes a covenant that God will give him a, a son and through the son a nation and from the nation the Messiah who will be the blessing to all of the world. And Abraham believes the word of the Lord and he accepts the covenant, becomes committed to God's purpose and plan. The faith of Abraham is seen in his, uh, his prayer for the salvation of his nephew Lot. As uh, Abraham left Ur of Chaldee, his nephew Lot came with him. And they, they traveled together. God blessed them and their, their herds of sheep and cattle and camel increased so much that there was no place that could, could have enough vegetation to feed them all. And so Abraham says to Lot, uh, you go in whatever direction you want to go and I'll go in the other direction. And the Bible said that Lot cast his eyes to the valley of Sodom. And he moved toward Sodom. Wasn't long until he moved into Sodom, that great and wicked city. And the time came because of their great sin that God would judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And God speaks this to Abraham. And Abraham, based on the word of God, intercedes. He prays for the salvation of his, uh, his nephew Lot. He begins and he says, Lord, if you could find 50 peop uh, righteous people in, uh, in Sodom, would you destroy it? And God said, if I find 50 righteous, I will not destroy it. Abraham thought, well, you know, Lot may not have really want a lot of people. Lord, if you find 40 righteous people in, uh, in Sodom, will you destroy it? No, if I find 40. What about 30? What about 20? Remember, he's the original Jew. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and finally, he gets down to, to Lord, if, if you find 10 righteous people, surely he's won at least his son-in-law's to the Lord. The Lord says, if I find 10, one 10. But God honored the prayer of Abraham and brought Lot out before the fire and the brimstone consumed those wicked cities. The faith of Abraham was seen when God spoke to him about the promised son. He said, me and Sarah have been childless. How are we going to have heirs? And God said, look at the stars. I'll bless you with a son. and Your heritage will be as innumerable as those stars. He believed the word of God. Now listen to me. Faith always starts with the word of God. Romans 1017 says, so that faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. Your faith will never be stronger than you are in the Bible. Can I just give you a little formula? No word, no faith. Little word, little faith. Much word, much faith. Abraham would say, my whole life is based upon what God has said in his word. The promises that he's given to us. The second thing that Abraham would tell us about faith is that faith is ever growing. There were times that Abraham was weak in faith. In, in Genesis 12, he's traveled from Ur of Chaldee. He is, is, he is just wandering around Cana, that place that God is going to give to him. And there is a famine in the land. And so he moves his family down to Egypt where there is food. Now, Sarah was a beautiful woman. She's much like my wife. She's just a heart stopper. And, uh, and Abraham said, you know, if I go down to Egypt, uh, all these pagans are going to look at my wife and they're going to say, wow, man. And, uh, and, and they'll kill me to get her. And so he said to Sarah, when we go down there, don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister. And they get down there, and sure enough, the prince of Pharaoh looked at Sarah and said, uh, man, i got to have her. And Sarah said, well, I'm just Abraham's uh, sister. And so he took her, and he, he blessed Abraham. And, and so Abraham's doing good, but Sarah's gone. But then God sends pestilence upon Pharaoh's house. And the prince of Pharaoh comes and he says, Abraham, why have you lied to me? Save your neck. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible, even the greatest of men, God doesn't airbrush them. He lets us see that they're real people just like you and me. Abraham fell and faltered there. Abraham fell and, and, and faltered when uh, he, uh, he came to the place in his life that, uh, that, that, that he, 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 he questions the promise of God. The, the years are going to pass. Age is going to catch up to him. And I always know age catches up to you. We, <coughs> we drove 11 hours yesterday to go to a graduation. And I got up this morning and couldn't walk to the bathroom. I mean, just that, you know, it catches up with you. And Abraham realizes that, and he wrestles. He wrestles in his own heart with doubt. He'll ask God several times, where is the son of promise? And then Abraham's great failure in faith is found when Sarah comes to him and says, well, God hadn't blessed us with a child. Let's help God out. And whenever you help God out, things get in a mess fast, don't they? 
And he says, you, you take my handmaiden, Hagar, go into her, and she'll have a child, and we'll call, her, call that child ours. And so he went in, and Ishmael was born. And after the son of promise, Isaac, is born, Ishmael is going to become a thorn in the flesh of, of, the, of the inheritance of, of Abraham, the nation of Israel, from that time on. And so Abraham had his times of failure. But if you look at the trajectory of his life, it is one of growing stronger and stronger and stronger in faith. Those times of confession, of agreement with the Word of God. Let me give you an example. He believed God to leave her. He believed God for the covenant. He believed the promises when he was a young man. But the time comes when Abraham is a hundred years old and Sarah, his wife, is 90. And God says, comes to them through the angel of the Lord and he says, the time now is for the son of promise to be born. Now, when Abraham and Sarah heard that, they had to act on faith. I mean, Isaac was not born by an immaculate conception. I can just see Abraham doing a little Barry White. Let's get it on. <laughs> and they acted by faith, considering their bodies to be dead, simply because God had said it. And the son of promise was born in their old age. Faith is never static or stand still. You never have your quota of faith. You never have enough faith that I don't need anymore. Faith is always growing stronger and stronger. Look how Jesus took the disciples and he transformed them from men of little faith to men of great spiritual power. And so we grow in faith. We stay in the Word of God. We learn from our failures. We take risk on the Word of God. We wait patiently upon God. That's how faith grows. And so Abraham would talk to us about, about the growth of faith. The third thing that Abraham would tell us is that active faith, growing faith, strong faith, is always, always going to express itself in obedience 
to the Word of God. The greatest illustration of that is in Genesis 22. At a hundred and nine months, Abraham becomes the father of the son of promise. Can you imagine how much he must have loved Isaac? As he held him in his arm, as he watched him in the cradle, as he saw him grow strong and handsome into a young man. And then Genesis 22 happens. And God speaks to Abraham again. And he says, take your son, your only son, to Mount Haran, and offer him there as a sacrifice to me. Now listen to me. Abraham didn't wear an S on his chest. He's just like you and me. We've seen that. What do you do when faith says you have to do something hard and beyond your capacity to understand? But Abraham's grown strong in faith. He takes his servants, and they, you know, he and Isaac and the servants travel to the base of the mountain. He tells the the servants to wait at the bottom and he and Isaac began to ascend. There's a bundle of wood for the sacrifice. There is a torch to light the sacrifice. And as they're walking up, Isaac said, Father, I see the wood and the fire, but where is the lamb to be sacrificed? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. Now, I was, when he said that, he was confident that God would, but he didn't know how. And he gets to the top, and you can just see him looking around, nothing. And he builds the altar, he encircles it with the wood, and finally he takes Isaac, and he puts him on the altar and he draws the knife and he's about to plunge it in. The book of Hebrews said that, that Abraham so believed God that if God said do it, that, that he would raise Isaac from the grave. But as he raises his hand, the angel of the Lord stops him and God speaks to him and says, now I know that you believe me. And he heard a rustling of sound, and he looked, and there was a ram caught in the bramlet that became the substitute, the sacrifice for Isaac. Wasn't never God's purpose for Abraham to take Isaac's life. It was just to learn to trust God and to give us a picture of his great love that he would give his son to die for us. Jesus has called us to follow him as Lord. Do you know what that means? It means that he has called us to follow him unquestioningly.
His word and his will are not up for debate. They're not up for question if he's Lord. In fact, Jesus asked the question one day, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? It just doesn't make sense. And so we're called to the obedience of faith. For Abraham, that was bringing Isaac and laying him on the altar. What does, uh, what does real practical daily obedience mean for you and me? It means a lot of things, but it means a lot of things that you, we don't pay attention to. Let me give you an example. I, I want you to turn with me to uh, Romans 12. It, it, it's a passage that can be seen in several of the epistles. But Paul is talking about the marks of those who follow Jesus as Lord. And in verse 9, he says, let love be genuine. Don't tell folks that I love you. Love them. Let it be real, unhypocritical. A poor, what is evil, Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show Hospitality. Oh, this next one's tough. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Weep with those that weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give fault to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, for, <clears throat> but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his hands. You will bring conviction into his life. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. Now, he just gives us a whole list, doesn't he? Of how we relate to one another. And I would say to you, these aren't options. These are mandates for people of faith. You offend me. My flesh wants to get angry and get vengeance. But the word of the Lord comes to me and says, Be ye kind one toward another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. And I hear Jesus say, 
If you come to the altar, bringing your gift, you come to worship. And there, remember that your brother has aught against you. Don't just do your best to worship. Leave your gift at the altar. Then first go be reconciled with your brother. And then bring your gift to the Lord. Simply saying you can't be right with God and wrong with others. That's just what Paul writes in Romans 12. And it's obedience that he's talking about. I don't have options. If Jesus is Lord and I believe his word, obedient faith involves an active, faith-filled hearing of the word of God. If you're not doing that daily, you'll not be strong in faith and transformed in living. It involves an active response to the Word, of being not just a hearer of the Word, but a doer of the Word. And the result of that kind of faith is the blessing. <laughs> Abraham would say to you, you can trust God. <clears throat> even for what you don't understand, even for what's not natural to you, you can believe God's word. How strong are you in that kind of faith? No word, no real faith like that. Little word, little faith. Much word, much faith. You'll never be stronger in believing God than you are in his word. Abraham would stand and he would tell you that, and after he tells you that, he would say, Amen and Amen.